Um, so today, um, well, if you weren't here last week, we had some fun. We laughed a little bit, and um, so I hope if you weren't here last week, and I know bunches of you weren't, <laughs> please go to the podcast and listen, because I think there's some really important things the Lord is trying to say to us about the fear of the Lord in this house. There's some really um, things that need to come to us as a people here. Needs to come to all the church because this is a defining feature of the church is the fear of the Lord. But specifically, I think for us, you know, that God, because of the mantle of um, forerunning, of being a pioneer church, and because of um, the apostolic and prophetic anointing that's on our worship and on our ministry, that if we do not become a people who walk in the fear of the Lord, we are going to stifle what the Lord wants to do. And if we continue to, um, and we all do it, you know, become casual with God, then I believe God will still come because he loves us. And when we sing, he responds. When we worship, he responds. When we lift our hands, he responds. When we pray, he responds. But that which he's trying to move us to and move us toward, we are not going to get there if we don't get the fear of the Lord. And I, I, I feel strongly in my spirit that this is not just the hot topic for the month. And then we move on from this. Do you guys understand that? We're, we're not just touching on the next thing in Christianity 101 with the fear of the Lord. We are touching on something that has to be a foundation stone in your life. It has to be a foundation stone in my life. It has to be a foundation stone in the life of our church. And I pray that you're not just being entertained by Sunday morning and then you forget what's being spoke about. And so, as I said last week, we, we had a lot of fun. We were talking about what the Bible says was foolish or stupid behavior. Anybody remember the, the phrase we used? Stuck on stupid. So to help us to feel kind of the weight of what the Bible says is foolish or stupid behavior, we called it being stuck on stupid. And we really looked at a whole bunch of scriptures that discussed what the foolish do. You know, what the foolish do and, and, and also what wise people do, right? And who wants to be the wise guy? Oh, come on. Who wants to be wise? And so I talked about how the fear of the Lord is the beginning of true knowledge, true wisdom. Which means, as you remember, we talked about, you know, uh, that word beginning. It means that which comes before and the catalytic event that launches something. And so the fear of the Lord has to come first. And it is a catalytic event that propels us into real knowledge and wisdom. We are not able to make glory-filled, heavenly, wise decisions if we first don't have the fear of the Lord. And so the big idea of last week's message was um, every area that we do not have the fear of the Lord leading our decisions is an area of our life that we will be stuck on stupid. As the book of Proverbs says. Someone laugh. Someone laugh harder. Come on. The book, the Bible, I mean, you know, you can get all offended. How could he say stupid in church? I don't have to get all bunched up. Your Bible says those things. If you weren't here, go read Proverbs. It says you're stupid if you do this. You're a fool if you do that. So, 
take your religious you know, underwear that's all bunched up now and go read your Bible. So if you don't do fear of the Lord, you are stuck on stupid. It's just the way it is. It's not some kind of high and mighty and whatever. It's just the way the Bible declares it. And so the fear of the Lord has to return to the church just like the first century church had it. We've got to return to the fear of the Lord if we are going to get the heavenly uh, strategies and blueprints on how to fix our families, how to fix our cities, how to fix our schools, our churches, and this nation. So this week as I was studying and I was researching for my message, um, I just I found some great great questions online that I think are going to help us. I think it will help us in the process of making God-fearing decisions. If the fear of the Lord is what comes first, if it comes before true knowledge and wisdom, then we have to ask ourselves the kinds of questions that I'm going to present today. In order, see, because here's what's going to happen. If you will ask yourself these questions, it will stimulate the fear of the Lord in your life. And when I need to make a decision, that's not just a task, you know. I mean, how do I change a light bulb? I don't need the fear of the Lord for that, okay? You guys get it? You know, tasks, no big deal. But, but everything else, pretty much. You know, I don't need the fear of the Lord informing that decision. But I do need the fear of the Lord informing most of the others. I need the fear of the Lord informing my decision first. As I'm going into what am I going to do and how am I going to do my life. I have to have the fear of the Lord as the, as the thing that's making the way. It's shining the light on the path because there's lots of paths. Lots of options that we all have. I can do it this way, that way, this way, or that way. The fear of the Lord is a light that's shining and it's saying this is the right way to go. Otherwise, we take the path of easy and comfortable because that's human nature. That's that's what I do easily. You know, a major component of our mission as a church is what? Live holy. And it's not just a cool little Bible saying. It is our mission. Living holy. And there is no way we can accomplish that without the fear of the Lord. We cannot live holy if we don't have the fear of the Lord informing our decisions. So, Let's look at some questions. We're just going to jump right in. Go ahead and throw that up there, guys, if it's ready. Today's message we're going to call the anatomy of a God-fearing decision. And listen, I'm going to ask you again. Please take notes or shoot a picture of the screen, whatever. Just, you know, be discreet. Don't don't make a big deal, but whatever you got to do, take notes. Because these questions are going to help you. These are going to be the things that you can ask yourself. What do I do? How do I do this? So, question number one that we should be asking ourselves is what biblical principles should inform my decision? Proverbs 2, 6 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From His mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Everything. Do you realize all is all? Paul wants us to do and live as if it's for God's glory. 2 Corinthians 6.14, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. 
For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? That is a decision. That should be informing your decision about who's going to be your future mate. That one right there. Who am I going to date? If you're yoked with an unbeliever, you're messing your life up. You're stuck on stupid. Proverbs 22, 7, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower becomes the lender's slave. Again, fear of the Lord should be leading your financial decisions. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything is worthy of praise, dwell on those things. That's the stuff that should be filling your brain. That kind of stuff. So here's some clarifying questions to now ask yourself. So when I'm making my decision, what does the Bible have to say about what I'm thinking about? You'd be surprised your Bible says about everything about everything. Who can help me better understand what God's word says about this decision? A lot of times we just don't even know what's in our Bible. And so we need spiritual guidance. We need spiritual moms and dads to come along and disciple. Help me figure this out. I don't know what to do. I know what I feel like I want to do, but I don't know what to do. Or number three, make sure you're not the only one who holds to your interpretation. You know, a lot of times we get into trouble because we read a Bible verse and we translate it the way we want it to fit our lifestyle. And it gets weird, it gets sideways, it becomes something that's not even what the Bible was saying. And so we get stuck sometimes into our own interpretation because we want it to fit whatever we're already doing. All right, let's look at another question. Number two, do I have all the facts? Proverbs 18, 13, he who gives an answer before he hears It is folly and shame to him. Proverbs 18, verse 17. The first to plead his case seems right until another comes and examines him. How many times do you make snap judgments when somebody gives you their one-sided story? Oh, I can't believe what she did. Did you realize that when she blah, 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 da, da? Oh, yeah, that's terrible. You know, we pull up our sympathy and we want to make people feel good. So we agree with them, you know. Oh, I just can't believe what she did. Or, oh my gosh, you believe what he said? Yeah, it sounds like terrible stuff that he said. I agree. He's a terrible person. Do I have all the facts? If you don't have all the facts, don't make a judgment. Maybe ask lots of questions. You know, when somebody comes to me and they're complaining, I have to ask a lot of questions. So, have you talked to that person? Well, no. Okay, so how did you find out about this? Well, I heard it from so-and-so. Oh, well, how'd they hear it? I don't know. Oh, okay. I mean, there was four questions that got me down to the real, that this person doesn't even know what they're talking about. How did you come with that conclusion? How I just thought it, I felt like it. Number two, don't fall prey to wishful thinking or let your emotions get the best of you. Man, that is so easy to do. To just let my, you know, oh, I hate when she does that. And we just get all worked up. And, and then now all of a sudden we're not thinking with the fear of the Lord anymore. We're thinking with justice. We're thinking maybe revenge. We're thinking I got to take care of me. None of which are the fear of the Lord. Again, remember there's two sides to every story. Always. And if you think, well, the first person who told me they got to be right, you're wrong. Not always. You've got to get both sides. Number three question. Is the pressure of time forcing me to make a premature decision? Proverbs 19.2. Also, it is not good for a person to be without knowledge, and he who makes haste with his feet errs. Proverbs 21.5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to advantage, but everyone who is hasty comes surely to poverty. 
How many of you have gone through the high-pressure sales of timeshares? Anyone done one of those before? Oh, those are fun. They're offering you the opportunity of a lifetime, but I can only offer this price today. You've got to decide now. Is your wife nearby? Would you like to call her? <laughs> no, we're not doing it. But this is the best price ever, I bet, and I don't want it. High pressure. You've got to decide now. You've got to decide now. That's never a great way to make a decision. So beware of once-in-a-lifetime deals and the lure of instant gratification. You mean if I do this now, all my problems will go away? Yes. Use this shampoo and you'll never have flakes ever again. Don't let the fear of missing out, FOMO. Who knows what FOMO is? Fear of missing out. Come on, anyone over here know what FOMO is? No one? FOMO, the fear of missing out. Do not let that drive your decision. We are going to hit that one hard here in a little bit. Hard, hard, hard. And when in doubt, leave it out. Man, I've went and tried to buy a car before, and this guy, he's just, he's going to sell a car today, you know? And again, come on, this is the best deal. It's just today. I'm like, no, there's a better deal at the next dealership. Oh, which one? Yeah, the Honda. Oh, you were there already? Yeah. Well, let me see if I can knock 500 more off the front. <laughs> but when you're in doubt, don't do it. Just move on. Don't let time pressure you into that. Number four, what possible motives are driving my decision? Proverbs 16.2 says, All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Proverbs 29, who can say, I have cleansed my heart, I am pure from my sin? The answer is no one. The Bible says if you say you're without sin, you deceive yourself. So we can't trust our own understanding. We have to acknowledge that we've got blind spots. You know, I've got certain things that in my life that I don't see it. That's why we're in community. That's why we have to have godly relationships. People we trust who can speak into us, step on our toes, not just speak good things all the time, literally have to step on our toes and we have to be okay with that. That's what dealing with a blind spot is. Honesty, honestly assess your motives, both good and bad. What, what's really behind all of my, this decision I'm trying to make? And give others permission to speak into your life. Remember last week we said you're stuck on stupid if you don't want correction and you don't want to hear anybody else's opinion. That's Proverbs. You're stuck on stupid if you don't want correction and you don't want anyone speaking into your life. Number five. How should past experiences inform my decision? Proverbs 26.11 Like a dog that returns to its vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Proverbs 17.10, a rebuke goes deeper into one who has understanding than a hundred blows into a fool. How many, you know, we talked about the unofficial definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over yet expecting a different result. That's where this came from. The dog keeps going back to his vomit. You keep doing the same thing. You keep hitting your head against the same wall. Thinking, the wall's going to move. I know it will today. So look for patterns of behavior, triggers, things that, that get you to make bad decisions. You know, maybe when you're alone and you're bored, maybe that's a bad combination. Maybe your computer's too close by and no one's around and I'm bored. And every time I'm kind of alone and I'm bored, I get in the same problem. You have to realize that's, that can be a trigger in our life. You avoid that. Understand how your family background might affect your thinking. You know, if you come from a family that thinks, you know, that avoidance is the way we deal with our problems, then guess what you'll probably do? If you come from a family that thinks yelling is the way to get problems fixed, guess what you'll probably do? You have to understand that 
maybe all my decisions aren't just from the Bible and God, that sometimes there are other things trying to inform me. And number three, man, let's learn from our mistakes. Let's learn from what we did and not do it again or do it better. Number five, what, or six, sorry, that was five, we're on six. What is the collective counsel of my community? Proverbs eleven fourteen. where there is no guidance, the people fall, but in an abundance of counselors, there is victory. Proverbs 18, 1, he who separates himself seeks his own desire. He quarrels against all sound wisdom. And verse 2, a fool does not delight in understanding, but only in revealing his own mind. So things to think about is avoid having a lot of separate conversations. You know how you go to this person and you just tell them the things you want them to know and they got them agreeing. And then you go to that person and you have a conversation and you just tell them what you want them to know. And now you've just got like four or five different people who are, you know, telling you what you want to hear. But maybe if they had actually heard other people in a conversation that maybe they would go, oh, wait, what did you say? Oh, I didn't know that was also a part of this situation. See, when you bring kind of everybody together, then you can have a more collective understanding. Recognize the difference between selling and sharing. Does anybody know what that means? I cannot tell you how many times I've had someone come to me and they didn't come to share what they're telling. They're telling, trying to sell me on the idea. Hey, here's, here's a great idea. Well, I was, you know, and they tell me, well, I want your opinion. I want to know what you think, but they're really just trying to sell me on the idea. And we have to be careful not to go trying to sell when we really need counsel from the Lord. And then know when to open the circle. You know, we've got a circle of friends. We have a circle of peers that we like to get all our information, mostly because they are like us. You know, they're, they're, they like to think like us. They're maybe doing the same things we're doing. But how many of you know that, you know, it's really stupid to ask your circle of pot-smoking friends if pot-smoking's wrong? <laughs> uh, you just, you know, you might want to open the circle a little bit if you're trying to be more like Jesus and find out if this is something that should be in my life. Open the circle. Let someone else in. Number seven, have I honestly considered the warning signs? Proverbs 10, verse 17, he is on the path of life who heeds instruction, but he who forsakes reproof goes astray. Proverbs 16, 25, there is a way which seems right to a man, but, in its, but its end is the way of death. And Proverbs 27, 6 Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the kisses of an enemy. So when we think about these warning signs, you know, we have to we have to consider that we tend to think that we're the exception to the rule. You know, when you're talking to a young woman and she's talking about this guy she's been dating and, you know, well, he. He only gets drunk about once a month. Oh, well, hang on. But he's a good guy. And I love him. Wait. You don't think that's a warning sign? Well, but again, he's mostly a good guy. Yeah. Or, you know, sometimes he, he gets real angry and I kind of get scared. But, you know, but I mean, he just... You know, he's got an anger problem and he gets it from his dad. And, you know, I understand. No, you can't be thinking, well, I'm the exception. I'm going to be the one who finally breaks this mold. And it's not going to happen. You're not going to missionary date and be successful. It just doesn't work. And I give you a list of marriages who thought it did. And they're not happy. So this thinking you're the exception to the rule. Well, it, I'm going to be the one. Remember, God's way is the best way. 
No matter what idea and concoction you can come up with, again, whatever the collective wisdom of social media has to offer you, God's way is the best way. It's the best way to make life work. Number eight, have I considered the possible outcomes for my course of action? Proverbs 14.1, the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish tears it down with her own hands. Proverbs 14.15, the naive believes everything, but the prudent man considers his steps. Proverbs 27.12, a prudent man sees evil and hides himself. The naive proceed and they pay the penalty. So when you're thinking about what you're doing, you have to do the long math. You, you know what that means, you know, show your work. My boys, when they just want to look at it really hard and use their, you know, massive mental powers, the answer is 32 with the remainder of one. How'd you come up with that? Oh, I just did it. Show me your work. I need you to write it all down. You have to do the long math. You have to think about it. Oh, well, I'll just figure it out. I'll tell you how many times that doesn't work out. It doesn't. You got to do what it takes to really think through this course of action. And, and part of that is, what are the risks involved with this? What if I go forward with this? What's going to happen to my family? What's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my church? What's going to happen to my kids? It's going to happen to my marriage. I think I already said that. You have to consider all of the different risks that are involved. Number nine. Could this decision jeopardize my integrity or hinder my witness for the Lord? Now, this one. Wow. You know. I wish more people would think about this one a lot more. Proverbs 25, 26, like a trampled spring in a polluted well is a righteous man who gives way before the wicked. Proverbs 10, 9, he who walks in integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. Proverbs 27, a righteous man who walks in his integrity, how blessed are his sons after him. Proverbs 22.1, a good name. Everybody say a good name. good name. Say it again louder. A good name. Good name. A good name is to be more desired than great riches. And favor is better than silver or gold. So we've got to ask ourselves, you know, is my, am I working towards the center of Christianity? Instead of flirting with the edge. You know, what can I get away with? How far can I go out there? What will God most allow me to do? Ask yourself, if what I'm about to do, would this pass the newspaper test? And here's the newspaper test. How would I feel if the course of action I'm about considering were reported on the front page of the local newspaper or blog? If you would be uncomfortable at all, the best course of action is not to do it. That's it. If what I'm about to do were going to be on the front page of the paper, would I be worried? And number 10, is there a better option that would allow me to make a greater impact for God's kingdom? Proverbs 11.30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who is wise wins souls. So ask yourself, what story could God be writing with me right now? As I make this decision, as I move in this direction. Because again, you can't assume that just because something is hard, that it's not God's will. And so going through hard stuff sometimes is the story that God's writing about you. That's the testimony he's, he's trying to build for your life. 
And when you think of it, again, the fear of the Lord thinks about the Lord. And if I'm thinking, God, what are you doing? What is going on here that I should be in agreement with? And he speaks and you go, oh, so you do want me to go through with this. And understanding how God has uniquely gifted and resourced you is going to help you have greater impact for the kingdom. Now, that was 10 questions. There's probably 100 more you could ask. And I realize that this is a lot of information. I hope you wrote it down. And really, honestly, these are probably too many questions for you to remember every day, right now. I mean, obviously, after one watch, one listening. Um, but listen, I'm, I beg you, if you wrote these down, to please study these questions and the scriptures that support them. Because this is how we practically grow in the fear of the Lord, to make good decisions. And so, you know, parents, when you sit down for dinner, talk about how your family is making decisions with the fear of the Lord. Children, when you sit down at dinner, ask your parents, how are you making decisions with the fear of the Lord? It's going to make a difference in their lives. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to distill this all down in an easy way so that we can know if we're making uh, decisions that have the fear of the Lord. And it's going to be three simple acronyms, all right? And we already know one of them. We already talked about it. FOMO, right? FOMO. Everybody write that down. FOMO, the fear of missing out. See, when we make decisions with the fear of missing out, we usually make bad decisions. In fact, FOMO is usually the number one way the devil uses to get us into trouble. In fact, <coughs> FOMO is so effective, it is in, in wrecking our lives, that it has actually been used since the beginning of humanity. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more crafty than all the other beasts of the field that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Do you see the fear of missing out? The serpent, Satan, used the fear of missing out to shipwreck the entire human race. Do you want to be like God? Don't you, don't you want to be and know what he knows? Well, don't miss out. Eat one of these. You see, at the heart of FOMO, the fear of missing out, if we were to give it a Bible word, is covetousness. Covetousness is wanting something that we can't or shouldn't have. Covetousness is at the heart of the fear of missing out. Wanting something that we can't or shouldn't have. 
Now, how do we know if something is something we shouldn't or couldn't have or can't have? Well, guess what? We go back to our questions. Does this violate the fear of the Lord? See, Eve, she had it for a moment. Yeah, God said this. I know, I know what God wants. I know what his will is. I know what the plan is. And the enemy comes and he's like, well, you're going to miss out. Don't, wor- don't miss out. Well, she just says, well, yeah, right. I don't want to miss out. That's terrible. Walked away from the fear of the Lord and went right down the path of the fear of missing out. And we won't be able to answer that question of, you know, is this something I couldn't or shouldn't have if we don't know what the Bible says is important to the Lord. Does everybody understand that? We, a lot of times, unfortunately, we get our lifestyle decisions from social media and from culture. I mean, if, if, if you're learning how to live mostly from what you see online and not from your Bible... I promise you, you're doing it wrong. I promise you that a lot of pain is coming to your life. And and it's not just because I say so. It's because from everything we've been reading in Proverbs. Everything. The pain is coming. Proverbs says it is. You are stuck on stupid if you live like the world. There's no way around it. In fact, if you live even even the way most people in Newcastle live, you're not going to walk in the fear of the Lord. I mean, we don't have to worry about what's, you know, the garbage that's coming out of the east and west coasts and Big cities, just if you go, well, everybody around me in my town, I just do what they do. You're not going to walk in the fear of the Lord. You know, if we justify our lifestyle choices just because everyone around us is doing it too, you're stuck on stupid. My uh, friend, Pastor Tom McGilliard from United Methodist Church here in town, He has uh, some statistical information on church attendance for Newcastle. And in this uh, survey, or wherever he got it, um, it said that less than 30% attend church on a regular basis. Less than 30% of our city. And less than 13% think that weekly worship is even important. I'd say that statistic's pretty true today. So, if we just live like most of the people in Newcastle, we'll be stuck on stupid, not walking in the fear of the Lord. The fear of missing out wrecks our life. So, the next acronym... It's going to help you. It's one I'm making up. FOMA. We had FOMO. Now we've got FOMA, the fear of man. Fear of man. 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 And we know Proverbs 29, 25 tells us that the fear of man will prove to be a snare. But whoever trusts in the Lord, they are kept safe. You know, the fear of man is just as deadly as the fear of missing out. It is deadly to our peace, and it is deadly to a prosperous life. And and listen, the fear of man isn't about, you know, being afraid of the male species, okay? When, When it says man, you know, the fear of man and the Bible is about fearing any person, man or woman, fearing what they think about us. That's the fear of man. And the fear of man shows up when we do things that don't line up with the fear of the Lord because we are afraid that someone won't like us or they'll reject us. 
That's the fear of the man, a fear of man. And, and all throughout the Bible, there are tons of people who were stuck on stupid because they had the fear of man instead of the fear of the Lord. And so just like FOMO, fear of missing out, the enemy loves to use FOMA to get us to compromise and sin against the Lord. Now, here's my last acronym that I'm creating. FOLO. Fear of the Lord. FOLO. Fear of the Lord. Proverbs 1, we already know. Proverbs 1, 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And fools despise wisdom and instruction. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. So we've got FOMO, FOMA, and FOLO. Next we have Han Solo. No, <laughs> he's not in here. Without the fear of the Lord as our filter for our daily decisions, we will end up, as Proverbs says, a fool, stuck on stupid. So, in order to help us simplify the process of asking yourself whether this decision or action is done with the fear of the Lord, we can use these three acronyms. All right? And here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to give you some examples, all right? So I'm going to give you situations that I've either heard about personally or someone's told me or whatever. So here's one. My friends asked me to see a movie with sex scenes. I told them I would pass on this one. So how many think that was the fear of missing out that made that decision? Raise your hand. How many think it was the fear of man that helped them make that decision? Raise your hand. How many of you think that was the fear of the Lord that helped them make that decision? Awesome. You can score yourself one right. We will be collecting the grades at the end. Here's another one. My weekends are for me and my kids. I don't have time to volunteer. So who thinks the fear of missing out made that decision? Raise your hand. Come on. How many thinks the fear of man made that decision? Okay. Who thinks the fear of the Lord was used to make that decision? Fear of missing out. Don't want to miss out on my weekend. Don't want to miss out on my time. I've worked hard. I deserve this. Right? Here's another one. My friends were smoking pot at a party and I w- that I was at. I wanted to get up and leave and say how wrong it was, but I didn't. Who thinks the fear of missing out led that decision? Who thinks the fear of man made that decision? Who thinks the fear of the Lord made that decision? Right again, if you said the fear of man, I don't want my friends to be mad at me. I don't want them to think I'm all holier than thou. I'm just not going to say anything. Here's another one. Uh Uh-oh. There we go. My husband or wife doesn't appreciate me very much and criticizes me constantly. I want to tell him or her what a terrible husband or father or wife mother he or she is been acting like. But I chose to serve him or her and ask the Lord to help them to grow. (coughs) Who thinks the fear of missing out made that decision? Fear of man? (coughs) How about the fear of the Lord? Who thinks the fear of the Lord? Okay, you're right. Why? Why is that the fear of the Lord? Because this person is not getting justice on their own terms. 
I'm going to tell my wife, hey, you know what? You suck as bad as I think you say I do. I mean, that's me getting justice right now. But if I stay quiet and I just serve that person and I'm asking the Lord, that's the fear of the Lord making that decision. That is not the fear of man. I guarantee you there are not too many spouses who are that afraid of their spouse to tell them what I think. Most of us do that all day long. But to not do that, to refrain from getting my own justice, to serve another person and asking the Lord to intervene, that's the fear of the Lord. Here's another one. At prom, my friends asked me to go to the restroom because they had some alcohol. I was uncomfortable, but I went, and one of my friends posted pics on Instagram of us all and the alcohol. The school office saw them, and I got suspended from school and was banished from all future proms, even though I didn't drink. Now, who thinks the fear of missing out made that decision? Who thinks the fear of man made that decision? Who thinks the fear of the Lord made that decision? (laughs) You're right, it's a double whammy. Fear of missing out and the fear of man. I don't want to not be... And see what's going on and, you know, the cool kids asked me to go do it or whatever. Or I can't tell them that's wrong. They'll oust me from my friend group. Let's look at another one. My child's coach said if we miss Sunday morning games and practices that my child won't play as much. We decided that Sunday morning worship and the word are more important to our family. And that we would allow God the opportunity to give us favor with the coach who thinks the fear of missing out made that decision fear of man how about the fear of the lord fear of the lord again they could put take things in their own hands and make things happen and well we're just gonna do the fear of man and fear of missing out and go ahead and do that or we could just let the lord Give us the opportunity, as some Pastor Eric had to literally do. He had to tell the coaches of his basketball star sons, we're not doing Sunday mornings. Sorry, it's too important to my family. But it takes the fear of the Lord to be able to make that kind of a decision. God doesn't care if I give 10% or $10 in the offering. If I gave 10%, that would be a big chunk of my income. Who thinks the fear of missing out made that decision? Yeah. Who thinks the fear of man made that decision? How about the fear of the Lord? Anyone think the fear of the Lord made that decision? FOMO. Yeah. It just went away. Missing out on that? Cheddar. That's what I can't miss. Don't want to do that. All right. This law, rule, or protocol is stupid. I'm going to do what I think is right for me. Who thinks the fear of missing out made that decision? Mm -hmm. Who thinks the fear of man made that decision? Okay. Who thinks the fear of the Lord was behind that brilliant statement? Anyone? Fear of missing out again. I'm just going to do whatever I want. I'm going to fudge my tax return. I'm going to lie on my, you know, record, on my hours, you know, whatever. I'm just going to do what works for me and makes things good for me. That's not the fear of the Lord. It doesn't matter if you think a rule or a law is stupid. The Bible tells us we have to obey. And you're stuck on stupid if you think, well, it's, it's bad or stupid or whatever. Well... That's between you and Jesus. My friends or coworkers were talking bad about someone. I asked if we could change the subject since that person wasn't here to give their side of the story. Who thinks the fear of missing out made that decision? Who thinks the fear of man made that decision? Who thinks the fear of the Lord helped make that decision? Yes. Yes, gossip, slander, 
strife, all of that stuff, it's still wrong, it's still in the Bible. And so it's talking about someone and bad behind their back and being a part of it, you're, you're just, you're contributing, even if you don't talk, if you give an ear to it. The fear of the Lord says, nope, I fear God, and I'm not going to be a part of this, I'm not going to put up with it, we're going to do things different. Here's one. My kids complain and argue with me about everything. I can't take it all the time, so I give in to get them to be quiet. Who thinks the fear of missing out made that decision? Thinks the fear of man made that decision? Who thinks the fear of the Lord was all behind that one? Yeah. Fear of little man. (laughs) Three or four of them (laughs) in my life. Oh, what are you doing? You moved on. So let's do that one again. My kids complain and argue with me about everything. I want them to learn real life lessons so they hear no a lot. And they always have consequences when they treat me with disrespect. What do you think that one was? Alice Folo. That's the fear of the Lord. Train up a child in the way they should go. That's God's plan. And we've all got kids that complain and argue. Guarantee, it's the way they are. They're made that way. They come out that way. (laughs) It is in the recipe. And if you think that your life's any worse than any others, you're crazy. Now, I realize everybody, there may be certain complicating factors, but listen, kids are just going to argue with you. They're just going to complain. They're going to push the limit every day of your life, and they are more relentless than you are. (laughs) It takes the fear of the Lord to not give in and pacify them. It takes the fear of the Lord to say, nope, you get, nope, that's not going to happen. But, but, nope, what did I say? But, but, what did I say? It's the fear of the Lord. So, I realize that these, you know, these were, you know, we were able to kind of look at these questions and, and this was kind of after the fact, right? There was, but, but we have to get ourselves in the habit of going, is this thing I'm getting ready to do, is this going to be me doing this through the fear of missing out, the fear of man? Or the fear of the Lord. And asking ourselves is going to make that process work easier. The fear of the Lord is what? The beginning of knowledge. And it is the beginning of wise decisions. Worldly wisdom and culture are foolish. Everybody say that. Say they are foolish. foolish. Worldly wisdom is foolish. It will put you stuck on stupid. So, here's your homework for this week. Your homework for this week is to give all your choices and decisions. The FOMO, FOMA, or FOLO test. Is what I'm about to say to this person fear of missing out, the fear of man, or the fear of the Lord. This text I'm about to send. This thing I'm posting on my social media account. This thing I'm going to put out on Facebook. Face puke. So I'm giving you practical ways to get the fear of the Lord into our lives. I mean, there's no special magic wand that I'm going to be able to wave over you. I mean, we read 50 scriptures. But to practically get all of that into your heart, you have to stop. You have to stop what you're doing and think, is what I'm about to say or do, is the fear of the Lord coming first? Is it informing what I'm about to do? If it doesn't, then stop. Don't do it. And figure out where am I missing the fear of the Lord in this moment. And then go and study the other questions as well. And study the scriptures that support them.
Because again, if we're going to get practically, if we are going to grow, you know, I read that scripture in Acts last week. It said that the early church, because they had the comfort of the Holy Spirit and the fear of the Lord, that they were multiplying. They were multiplying. And I'm just, again, I, I feel this so strong in my heart and in my spirit. The fear of the Lord is leaving the church. It is exiting the church at large. It is not informing what we do on Sunday morning. It doesn't inform us what we're doing on Monday morning. It doesn't inform us what we're doing Saturday night or Friday night. We are just doing what we think is good in our own eyes. And so I don't want this to be just a heavy, but listen, this is serious. Do you believe that? I hope you do. I hope to God that you see the seriousness of this. That we have to be a people with the fear of the Lord. Because it brings, it brings joy. It brings fulfillment. You will feel better about the things your life is about. I promise you, it's not just heavy, no, 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 God's always telling me no. You know, the no changes when your desires change. Did you realize that? Yeah, if you always want to get high and get drunk and have sex, then you're going to hear no from God a lot. But you realize when your desires change, then it goes from no to lots of yeses. Well, God, I want to stay pure and holy unto you. Where, we, where are you going to send me, Lord? Yeah, you want to go to the nations? I'll send you the nations. God, I want to I win my friends to the Lord. Yeah, I'm with that. Here's what you're going to do. Here's your strategy. When our desires change, we stop hearing no. When they come into alignment with what God wants for our lives. So this week, I want you to really take this serious. please. Ask the Lord, say, God, I need the fear of the Lord. In fact, let's just stand up and we're going to pray. I know this was heavily practical today, but listen, we need practical. Because it's hard for a lot of people. I hear it. I don't know what to do with what you said. I just made it super simple today. This is what you do with what I said today. You apply this to your life. You put everything under the microscope of this. Is this the fear of the Lord? And so, Father, it's in your word, God, that we can pray for the fear of the Lord. And so, God, today I'm asking that the fear of the Lord touch my heart in greater ways. I need the fear of the Lord, God. In all of the areas of my life that I compromise, that I... I let my guard down, that I do the thing I shouldn't do. God, I pray, Father, that the fear of the Lord would help touch my life in a greater way. And Lord, I pray that for this house today. I pray for every person in the room, God, who is listening and receiving the word of the Lord today. That we would walk in the fear of the Lord. That it would inform our lifestyle decisions. God, I I pray that you would rip the fear of man out of our hearts. God, I pray that you would rip the fear of missing out of our hearts. That, God, you would, Father, begin to become the center of our gaze and our pursuit. Walking in obedience to you, Abba. I pray that for myself for my family, and for our church family, God. Will you please, God, be be merciful and help us to understand the fear of the Lord. We want to be a church that brings you glory and honor. We don't want to come dragging in by the skin of our teeth because we abused grace every day of our lives. That we, but that we, we walked in with, with the fear of the Lord as a crown on our heads. So I pray, Father, today that we would walk in the fear of the Lord, that we would apply it, that all our decisions, God, would come 
through the fear of the Lord. God, I ask that you would help us that way. Father, we thank you for all that you've done today. We thank you for your precious son, Jesus, who God made the way for us to do these things, to walk in the fear of the Lord, to walk in holiness, to walk in obedience. God, we give you praise for Jesus today. And Lord, we seal this time, we seal this day, God. We bless you with our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and all of our strength. God, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.